Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles and I'm the host of the Sendcast and I'm also the Managing Director of B Squared. If you are a new listener, then welcome to the Sendcast. The aim of the podcast is simple. We want to reach lots of people and help you all learn more about special educational needs and disability. This week, we need to talk about an area some Senkos feel uncomfortable talking about, and that is obviously Microsoft Excel. You don't need to be scared of Excel. This might seem like a strange topic for this podcast, but it can help you be more productive. My guest this week is Ginny Bootman. Ginny is currently a Senko of four schools and also somehow finds time to do lots of other things like talking at events and writing books. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B Squared. We are the assessment people. We help show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. We help schools show progress for a wide range of abilities and ages. And if you're a primary school struggling to show progress or struggling to identify where a pupil isn't making progress, we can help. Did you know you can also use B Squared assessment software for more than just pupils with SEND? You can now assess all pupils in one system, saving you time and money, and simplifying the whole assessment process. Visit the B Squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me to take you through our assessment software. Let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing Excel. Excel needs discussing as it is a great tool with lots of features that can make your life easier. My guest this week is Ginny Bootman. Ginny is currently a Senko of four schools, but she has been a teacher for a very long time, and they are her words, not mine. A senior manager and a head teacher. And she also has had time to write articles for TES and speak at a number of events. Welcome back, Ginny. Hello. I love tech. I always have. It literally started, I could type on a keyboard before I could write. And over our last few years of me knowing you and doing the podcast, you've been on a, on a lovely tech journey, becoming more and more digital and more paperless. And we did a podcast previously on being a paperless Senko. Excel is a whole other world because it's very divisive. And we do a B squared, we do assessment, we do data. And some people love it. When I start going into the full on, you just see half the people fall asleep. And I find that people either love data in Excel or they just avoid it completely, don't they? Definitely. And I was I was a self-confessed avoider, as you say. Up until COVID, really, I wasn't very enamoured by technology. It scared me a lot. And then COVID came and, and I, I couldn't I couldn't hide from technology anymore. And I couldn't barter my way out of it by getting other people to help me out whilst I did their duties and things. So I came into technology via Zoom and such like. And then one day I decided that I would venture into the world of Excel. And I have to say the way I ventured into it was by finding a person who explained it to me in a simple way and said those words I needed to hear, which which was, you do not need to understand lots of formulae. And that that was the turning point for me, Dale, the fact that somebody said, we can start off simple. And then as you gain in confidence, you can add to your, I'm going to call it a repertoire. I could add to my repertoire. And that is what really got me on board that someone said, you don't need the formulae. 
No, you don't. And that's the thing. I think when you open up Word, it's a blank page and you know you're going to write words. With Excel, you open it and it's just a screen full of cells and columns and rows. And you probably think, I've got to do maths in here. 90% of the time I'm in Excel, I'm not doing any maths. I'm using it to arrange and make tables and things and, pre- and present information in a way that I can understand. And when I'm doing that, I'm never really doing maths. I could be copying and pasting things out or I'm just counting things and typing it in or things like that. A lot of the time I'm not doing maths. It's just a way of formatting the information. We actually had someone, Whitby Squared, who would actually make images in Excel. Not the full-on pictures, but he would make infographics, which were sharing information. He would make them in Excel. And he would use the cells and resize things. And it was really quite fascinating. If you ever looked at the B squared on the website, we've got B squared framework comparisons, PDF, which has all different frameworks on all different sizes. It's all different columns. That's an Excel spreadsheet underneath. And the reason Alex created it in Excel was because there's a mathematical reason behind it. And it's really good. But when you look at it, it is an image. It's a PDF. And loads of schools who use B-squared use it as a reference. But it's an Excel spreadsheet with absolutely zero maths in it. It's just lots of formatting. So don't be scared of Excel. Just go in and think of it as I can put information together. I can just kind of record information in here. And you don't even have to start at cell A1. In the top left, you can start wherever you want. And often I do that. I have lots of different tables in a spreadsheet. So I'm having different thoughts, and I'll put that bit of thought down there. When we're moving house, I'm trying to work out mortgage and cost of values. I'll drop loads of different houses in and looking at how much would that cost. There's all this lot, and dropping it in this spreadsheet. And it meant I could just view things alongside each other. I wasn't having to scroll up and down in a Word document in a weird format. I could literally, I'd create a load of cells around a house and go, right, we're buying this house, and then find out that house is not on the market anymore. So I go, right. I could then just copy and paste all those cells, drop them down again, and put the new values in for the new house. So there's lots of ways you can really use Excel. I've never been scared of it, but I do know people who are scared of it. But you just got to see of it is not is more like it's Word with columns and rows. Rather than pushing enter and having a new line, it's just a new box. And I think what I tried to do, and I, I, I would think there will be lots of people would be the same, would be I'll use Word instead because it will do the same job. And I was very much of that mindset that I can make a table on Word and that will work for me. What I actually like now are the actual, in some ways, the constraints of Excel and actually that most things have been done for me and that I just tweak things to make my life easier. And that's the other thing, Dale. The only reason that I use Excel is to make my life easier and to save me time. If you're going to use Excel for it to look amazing to present to somebody, that's one thing. As a Senko, I use it so that it organizes me and makes things easier for me. Yes. One of the ways you can think about it is if you are a Senko and you've got information on each pupil, you go, well, I'll put this in a Word document. And you start putting the information in and you have a new page per pupil. Yeah. And you do all that and then you start adding more in. And then you get to that point, we're going to go over a page. Now, what do you do? Do you have two pages for each child? And if you edit that child, 
You've now got to redo that edit all the way down that document and make it look nice. Now, move that into Excel, and not everyone realizes at first, but an Excel file is called a workbook. Okay, I'll bore you here, but there's a workbook, and a workbook is made up of what, lots of worksheets. So at the bottom left, there's often loads of different tabs, sheets one, and you can add multiple, and you can rename them. So instead of using Word, where you have a new page for each child, have an Excel workbook with a tab or a worksheet for each child. And literally, sheet one, you can double-click on that, type in the child's name. New worksheet, type in the child's name. Third worksheet, type in the child's names. And what's nice about that is that worksheet, I'm going to say, is not far off limitless. There are some limits. If you hit them, there's something wrong with you that you're doing a spreadsheet that big because it's a huge number of rows and a huge number of columns. But generally, you haven't got a restraint in how much information you're going to record. And what's really nice is you can do some basic formatting. And if you had a new child, you can just go to one of the other worksheets and you can duplicate it and then just update the values for the new child. It's so much quicker than mucking around with all that stuff in Word. And that's what I do. So I do that. And I mean, I call them tabs. You call them worksheets. Tomato, tomato. And I think in in education speak, I think the words that we use are the words that make sense to us. So I talk about having tabs at the bottom of the the page. And if I'm doing it for children, I always have one that, that is called the master copy. And then I... Then I copy and then I rename, but I still always have a master copy. And I think Senkos will be quite interested in this, that I have children's names on the tabs, as I will call them, Dale. And then often we have phone calls about children or we need to write information about children or people, class teachers tell us about referrals. I have that as an ongoing record that I can refer back to. And I have to tell you, It is really good because I used to have the Word documents and exactly what you said happened. I would have to open an individual file for each child. What I love is all the children's names are at the bottom, that their initials are at the bottom. And so I can can easily access them from that one, what am I going to call it? I'm going to call it a workbook because I think that's the language we're using, Dale, isn't it? The workbook. Workbook is the yeah, file. That is my the file. Worksheet yeah. is and I tab. can see yes. the whole file with, I'm getting good at this now, Dale, with the worksheets at the bottom. And it it makes sense for me. And when I get to the end of a week, I have a look and I update all of those worksheets for each child to say what what has been happening for that child. And the head teacher can see, the class teacher can see, everybody can see, and we can refer back to them quite easily. So it is a really workable system for busy Senkos. And what I like about this is what, so far what you're doing in Excel is no maths. You're literally creating that word, that table you would have done in Word, but it's already a table there and you're just typing your fields in. You might be making the headings bold and the text not bold in that column. It's really quick and easy because what's nice about that is if you have all the, the headings or the, what you want to record in one column, you can highlight that column at the top and make all of them bold and then a bit bigger. And the cell next will be smart. So it's just easier to read. Now, what you've just said, I'm going to just imagine that your worksheet is split up into sections. That's the thing. Like a work document, you can have it in sections. But where you might have a one-page profile thing going on for the Word document and you've got the communication, that might be another document. And it starts getting messy of where you put things in. But having 
more or less an infinite spreadsheet means you can just have lots of fun. So what I would do if I was you, Ginny, I would have the top half being the information part where I've got all that master information. And the bottom, at some point, I would get to a bit where I have almost like my on, your ongoing stuff. And I would personally, I'd arrange that into a table. So the first thing might be, a column might be date. Then it might be an interaction type. So it might be meeting, it might be a phone call and things like that. And I might have a number of columns and I might have a short a summary of what happened. And then I might have another two columns. I've learned to add these in, which will be something like outcomes for me to do, outcomes for the parents to do, i.e. at that meeting, what am I doing? What are they doing? Yeah, and you can put that in. Now, what you can do is then what Jenny probably does is she has a table and she just adds things on the bottom. Yeah? Yeah. So it just gets a much gets longer and 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 just goes on, which is great. Now, there is a tool, which I mentioned to Jenny before we started call, recording, called the filter tool. It's just called filter. It really doesn't tell you what it does. It's the most amazing bit of Excel that if you've never used this, this will blow your mind. So what Ginny has to, if she has this table that's halfway down the spreadsheet, she just highlights what's called the heading row, i.e. where she's put, this is the date, this is it. She highlights that. And then she just goes up to the sort and filter, I think it's called. I've written it down. Goes up to where it says sort and filter. And under there, there's a thing which says filter. And she clicks on that. And what it does, it adds little drop-down boxes on all of those heading cells. So now... Ginny's initial problem is the most recent conversation is always at the bottom. So what Ginny can now do is every time she does this, she goes to that date column and sorts it and says newest first. So even if she adds it at the bottom, as soon as she sorts it, it's at the top. So she now has the most recent things, which just makes life easier because you always want to see the most recent thing at the top. And then she might be going, oh, we had a phone call. How many phone calls have we had? Well, what she can do is go on the type thing and then just get rid of all the other things and just tick on phone call. And then she can see all the phone calls she's had. And we're not doing anything complicated. I've done nothing here apart from highlight one row and go filter. But it means I can just really quickly ask some questions about what I've recorded. How many phone calls have I had this week with this parent? Well, that's 300% higher than every other parent. Or whatever. I can use that information however I want. But being able to have that filter, because after you look at a table and you're going, Oh, is that a lot? But also what Ginny can do is just go to the outcomes for me column. So when they're not blank, that's a nice one, not blank. So if she goes to the outcomes from Ginny, not blank, it will list all the things she can do. And she goes, right, have I done all of them? No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. It's just a really simple, it just gets rid of the stuff you don't want to look at. So I would, Ginny, play with that field, play with that filter. I will. That sounds fabulous. And, and and what you're saying about the date and having the newest at the top. And and as Senkos, we we do end up filtering through lots of things, looking through paperwork. So actually, once again, if it's going to save me time, then then I'm all for it. Because literally, if you come to that file, you just literally go to this table, newest on top. And then literally the most recent things are at the top and you can literally, you can straight over to my outcomes or what I need to do. And it's there at the top. You don't have to scroll down this long list. It gets longer the longer you work with the child. It's at the top. It's in the order that makes sense. What you can also do with a date column is let's say this child's been with you for five years, Ginny. 
you can go to this date column and it will then, it's really clever how it does this, it lists all the years. So you can go untick and then just tick 2020. And it'll then just highlight everything that happened in 2020. Wow. Because thinking back, actually, one of the things that really pushed me into using Excel was I did have a, a situation whereby I had to look back on a lot of information about one particular child and I didn't have it to hand. And I thought, what can I use so that this doesn't happen again? So it came from a need. And often I think that is really good. The other thing I would say is, please have a go at using Excel and play about with it. Wouldn't you say, Dale? You know, open yes. yeah, open an Excel workbook. When I first started, if I'm honest, I didn't realize that when you type in a cell, it it comes up at the top of the page. That that was my starting yep. point. My starting point was from knowing nothing about Excel. And so I think when you're in that frame of mind, you know, watching telly one night, you know, just open an Excel spreadsheet, have a little play, because then it doesn't matter if you get it wrong. Don't go in thinking, I am going to do something huge for my school and put all of these worksheets in for all of the children and this is what I'm going to do. Have a play about with it and also ask other colleagues if they think that this system will work for them as well because that's something else I've learned is that if I'm putting in a system and I want other members of staff to input data, we need to find a common ground Yeah. so that everybody is on board and actually simplicity works in our favor because I have been presented with the most amazing Excel spreadsheets that that scare me. So I think we have to find that common ground. If we want people to fill in information on Excel spreadsheet, we have to show them how to do it, but we also have to be realistic. We don't want to put people off. No. And it comes back to, again, what are we using Excel for? And Excel is a spreadsheet, which is maths and accounting and boring and stuff that generally you're not needing to do. But actually, I would say most usage by most people of Excel is a database. So I actually, when I used to travel all around the country before COVID, I would put my expenses into a spreadsheet. So I would record each journey and it would do it all. And then it would have the date. And then I can do, then the only bit I do in math is it adds up the cost, the mileage cost. But generally, I'm just using it to organize information. So I'm using it as a database in reality, not a spreadsheet. And you mentioned about having one place is if you're using Excel via Teams or SharePoint, but Teams is a much easier way is SharePoint on, but with Teams on front on top of it. Or if you're using Google Sheets, then what's really nice, if me and Ginny had the same spreadsheet, is we could work on the spreadsheet at the same time. And that's really nice, is I could have it open, and I could be working, and I literally, you can see, if you're editing it live, that I can actually see where, what cell Ginny is on. It, hide, it would highlight with her initials it, that, oh, she's on that cell, she's on that cell. And it might be, what are you doing in this spreadsheet? I'm doing this, oh, I'm just updating this. And you could do things like that. But most of the time, multiple people can work on it. There are times, which is important, is if you then go offline and do a load of changes 
and someone's also changing it, you end up with a clash. What teams will do is you have an option of what do you do, and you can have both versions of the file. And then you've got to work out what's changed. And there are tools which can help you work out what's changed. I don't know if they work in Excel, but I know in Word they do, but they'll probably be in Excel as well. But generally, if you're using it online, connected always, it will merge. It's if you have it on your laptop and you're offline somewhere working on it, you can have some times where it will it can't merge, it blocks it. And then one of you might overwrite the other person's data without realizing it. So there can be times where if you are doing it in Excel, there is a slim chance of you losing data. So do be careful about things like that. And sometimes it's working out how big a spreadsheet should be. So if there's multiple people who can access this spreadsheet, do we actually do one giant spreadsheet or do we do a spreadsheet per year or per key stage or things like that just to reduce the risk of losing data? I hate losing data. And from my point of view, when I was many years ago, when our software was installed in schools, being on the end of the phone call when someone had lost all their assessment data, it was not a big, great phone call. And one thing I'll mention just while we're on talking about putting it in Teams and Google Sheets is if you are using those, they also do versioning. Do you know what versioning is, Ginny? Oh, now you put me on the spot. I presume from what I know that if somebody updates a document, it will show you the version. So if I edited a document and then you edited a document, it would name them differently if we looked into it so that we will be able to see the order that they were edited. So generally with version, they're all still the same file. But what I can do is I can go into the back end somewhere. Generally with SharePoint, there's a certain place you can do it on some things. And what I can do, let's say Ginny spent hours creating this spreadsheet and I accidentally deleted everything thinking it wasn't needed anymore and then clicked save. And everything Ginny's done is lost. What we can do is you can go into this versioning section and go back to the version before I deleted it and then bring that version back. So if you're using Teams or anything like involving SharePoint or Google Docs or Sheets, generally everything is version and they keep the last X number of versions. So if someone does go in and accidentally done it, and I've done it to myself, I've deleted loads of stuff realizing, before realizing I was in the completely wrong file, I was then able to just bring back the version before I was an idiot and deleted everything and life was happy again. So that's a really useful feature if someone does make a mistake. Go back. So some, some, tell me some of your favorite features. So as you play with it, I think once you start playing, you play with more things and you go, I wish it did this. And then you see someone doing something and it's, and you, yeah, you can just go down a rabbit hole. So when I first started using Excel, it sounds like, sounds like I'm more than a novice. But when I first started using Excel, I would look at YouTube clips to see actually how to do it. If I, I would look for a need and then look at a YouTube clip and then look at it over and over again just to get it sorted in my mind. So one of the ones I use is what's called freeze pane. And that is when I've got a column on the left-hand side because I put my whole week on an Excel spreadsheet. And there are different ways of managing your time during the week. At the moment, I use Excel and I have all the times down the left-hand side and my days of the week going across. And if I wasn't careful, by the time I got to Thursday, I'd lost the timings going down the left-hand side. 
So then I found this amazing, oh, listen to me, an amazing tool. Get me, oh dear, with Excel, I've got to that point, Dale, where I'm now calling these things amazing. And you highlight whichever column that you want to literally freeze. And so it means I can move the rest of the information across. Is that the right way of saying it, Dale? I'm, I'm actually, I am yeah. actually waving my hands around, but you can't tell. So I can still see the timings whether I'm on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And I just find often we want that left-hand column in sight all the time. So that that is one that I find really useful. And it would be the same with the, the top row. The rows. The rows. I couldn't yeah. think of I couldn't think of the word there. Rows, that was it. The same with the rows. So I found that one really handy. I love colour. So if I can colour code anything. On my Excel spreadsheet, it just makes it lovely for me. So because I work in four different schools and I can be across the four different schools during the week, I have daily I have a different colour for every school. And so then I know where I am when I am. So that works for me, colour coding. And I just find it it helps me get organized, like we're saying again, it helps me organize where I am and what I'm doing when. And also the fact that I can have Excel across all my devices is brilliant. And I didn't have that to begin with, but now I do. So it means I can access it wherever I am. Because sometimes opening your laptop is a chore. Isn't that a terrible thing to say? But it is a bit of a chore. So if I can look at Excel on my iPad or on my phone, it just isn't a chore that's the best way to put it it isn't it isn't a chore so yeah color coding love a bit of color coding so that bit about opening a laptop being a chore is i i remember doing training in schools and just the laptop schools buy are often they old things like that so turning a laptop it's not about opening it up the screen and wait is if you've got a lovely laptop, that's great it might take 10 seconds but in a lot of schools it's the battery's dead got to plug it in then I've got to turn it on, and it's at least a minute and a half to the logon screen, at which point the kettle has now boiled. I'll then type in my password, and then I'll come back and take the tea bag out, pour the milk in, do all that, stir it. And while I come, hopefully, if someone come back, my desktop's up. Whereas if you have an iPad, you just click on Excel, open file, and you're... So yeah, no, the whole thing of calling, waiting for your laptop and opening your laptop, it can be a real chore for lots of things. Now, you've mentioned colouring and colouring cells. So do you know about conditional formatting? Do you doing it automatically or are you colouring it in? Well, I think I'm going to change what I'm doing after our conversation, Dale. But at the moment, I am doing them one at a time. But every day is a school day. So I'm very excited to know how to, how to enhance my life by what you're going to tell me. So I'm going to cover the freezing panes and conditional formatting together because a lot of times where I've seen schools use spreadsheets, and I guess why it also daunts people is they do their attainment data in these giant spreadsheets, which is a really lot of hard work, but that's another thing. And generally you might have a list of pupils down the side. And then in different columns, you might have their pupil, what year they're in, the key stage, if they're pupil premium, various different values. And then you might get to the reading attainment and you might get to the writing attainment. And you can imagine how many columns in this spreadsheet. Now, when you scroll right, you're going, right, hang on, which row was Jack in? And by, as Ginny said, by freezing panes, you can freeze the column, which could be the people's names, 
you can freeze the rows at the top. So as you're scrolling down through hundreds of pupils, those reference points of which column I'm looking at, which pupil I'm looking at, stay the same. So as I scroll all the way right, I still know which, which child I'm looking at. And it makes life so much easier. So freeze panes is one of those things that if you ever find yourself scrolling left and right or up and down lots just to check, freeze panes. And it's really simple. You go, go to view, you click on the cell, the first cell you want to move. Yeah. So whatever cell you, does the free, it freezes to the left and above. You click on freeze panes. And then as you scroll, they're locked and they stay there forever, which is great. So as Jenny says, color coding is really good. You can literally highlight any cell and you can either change the color of the text or you can change the color of the background. So it's quite good to really draw your attention. Now, Jenny's going through and coloring it by school. Now, what she could do is what's called conditional formatting. And this can be a whole rabbit warren of fun of how much you want to color code. So what Ginny could do is for that entire spreadsheet, she can create some rules. They're not that complicated. What I'm going to say sounds complicated, but if you go have a look, Ginny, it's not. You could highlight the whole spreadsheet and go, new rule, if this cell contains the world Dave Primary School, Dave's my word for everything, Dave Primary, yeah, whatever this is, yeah, color this cell in blue for me. Ginny is quite excited by that. If I put in Fred Primary, color it in yellow. If I put in this, well, yeah, so whatever, if I put that word in there, it will color that cell. So now Jenny just types the name of the school she's in, pushes enter, it will now change color instantly. Wow. Oh my goodness. Right. I, I, we have to end now because I need to get on with this now, Dale. There is no time to spare. <laughs> so conditional formatting can be used in lots of ways. So I have a spreadsheet where I have it highlight the top 10 values, the highest 10 values in that column. Because on that spreadsheet, that's what I need. On another spreadsheet, it will highlight, this is, it gets really fun. I, it's again attainment, is I have a column which has progress. And at the top, it works out the average progress, whatever view I'm selecting. So if I reduce down to people premium, it will work out the average progress for people premium. And then it will highlight who's above or below, just by changing the text color, the average for that group. Whoa. So you can go really that you can do scale bars. So you can literally change from a dark red all the way to a green and in between, it will do loads of things. Conditional formatting is another thing that when you turn it on, again, it's just highlighting things that could be issues. So you put your numbers in, it changes it. Why, why have you gone red? Oh, that's not a good value. But you're, you've made the rules up. And it just follows the rules, which then can really alert you without even noticing this is not a good number. So conditional formatting is I use it if something's over a certain value, if it's something below a certain value. If it's a negative, you can really make it. Because if you, one of the options in Excel is if you do negative numbers, it can highlight them in red for you automatically. But you can also make the whole cell go red or you can make it in larger font. Because conditional formatting isn't just about coloring a cell. It can do font sizes. Lots of things. But it is worth having a look, Jenny, because you can just now type in a school, push enter, and it will color code it for you. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. And I love these, anything, anything that saves us time. We just need to. Because that thing is. Sometimes we need to spend the time finding out about the thing in order that we will save so much more time in the future. And I know it's hard finding time 
that sometimes we have to invest time to make time. And if we go back to your little spreadsheet, you have all, you have all your interactions with your parents. You could even get it to colour highlight. If, the, if this box has a phone call in, make it a light green so I can see which one. So visually, that would be really I can use the colours to work out which ones are phone calls. And if there was an expectation of me to do something, highlight that one in red. Yes. 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 It, yeah. So that way, just visually, I'm not even reading. I'm just seeing red and go, I've got to do something. And you can just do things like that. And it's those things, because what I've learned through all the things is, so colour is easier for us to recognise and react to than reading those words. Definitely. So especially if I walk in and see a load of red on a spreadsheet, it's not going to look good for me. It's not going to look good. If I see it's green, I'm going to be happy. So conditional formatting, please go and explore and have a play. It's lots and of And I fun. think that's really interesting because I colour code for the week things that I've got to do. And I was saying to you, Dale, before, before we started talking here, that I actually, when I've done something, it then goes back to white. And I think colour coding is, is so important because it alerts us to what we need to do and alerts us and actually gives us that feeling of, oh, do you know what? I've achieved that. And I just want to talk about managing our time using Excel. And there are other ways that we can we can use calendars, we can use different things. For me at the moment, using Excel to manage my time works for me. And I think, once again, it's coming back to what works for the individual at that time. And so, as I say, I'm the Senko for primary schools. And so I manage my time into half an hour intervals. And people might go, oh, Ginny, that's a bit you know, you're, you're, you're really uh, micromanaging yourself. What I see on a Monday morning is I see how much time I've actually got to do different jobs because last week I was on a course for a morning, the week before I was on a course for a whole day. So I'm able to see in real terms how much time I have got to do my work. And that is really grounding because unintentionally what we do is we give ourselves the to-do list and the to-do list ends up being the things I failed to do today or this week. So what I find is I write in actually what I can achieve because actually on this day I have got two hours. So I write in what I, what I can achieve that day. Obviously I color code it, Dale. And then I go, I have achieved that today. And that is good. And I think we need to do that a little bit more for our own well-being because we end up going, gosh, I haven't achieved this. I haven't achieved that. So I have Excel spreadsheets going for the next two weeks as well. So if someone tells me or asks me or a parent asks me for a meeting, I'm actually working two weeks in advance. And I will look on my iPad this morning. I was talking to a colleague and they were saying, what are you doing? I said, I'm just checking where I've got availability to be able to have a meeting with somebody. So I think it's grounding us. It's helping us see what we can achieve. And actually, it does make us a bit professional because we're saying, actually, I'm just going to look on my on my iPad to see when I can, when I can see you. And do you know what? People are very accepting. If you say, actually, Shall we meet in two weeks' time? What time suits you? 
rather than saying, oh, my goodness, I must see them this week. I haven't really got any time. So I think well-being, just as my dad would say from Yorkshire, just calming the job down a bit. It just makes us go, do you know what? I I am compartmentalizing my time. And also we can show people this was my week this week. If anyone wants to see what we've been doing as a Senko, we can actually say, this is what I've done this week for an accountability point of view. So, so what Jenny can do, because she worked across four schools, what she can do is she can give people view only access to that worksheet or that workbook. So if someone wants to have a meeting with Ginny, they can literally open it. They can't edit it. They're literally going, okay, so the next two weeks, Ginny's flat out. So she can give all the schools you access, people can see. That's quite good. What she can also listen to what you just said, Ginny, is you have things where obviously you're, sometimes you have to be at the school. Yeah. And sometimes you're doing work for the school. So what you can do is you can literally just get into the habit of doing at the school. And as soon as you do at the school, it can highlight in, let's say, a strong blue because you're going to be, have to be at that school. But if you're working at for the school, you can write for the school. Then it might put a light blue in. And then you know, actually, by the different, now you've got four schools, four different eight colours. I do the math there, two times four. But you now kind of know where you have to be. But also you might actually see that, actually, on Tuesday, I'm doing all the work for the different schools, but I can do it all from wherever I am. So again, it's that visual indication of the strong colours where I have to be at that school and the lighter colours are where I can work anywhere. So if actually if I'm going to finish at that school, I can just stay there for the rest of the day and do all of that work. Now, I personally, if I was Ginny, I would have four calendars, one for each school. And generally on your iPhone, your iPad, on your Outlook, wherever you use it, you can overlay those four calendars together. And that way you can go, and I do it at work, I have my calendar and I have two other people. I view all of them together and I can actually work out when we're all free. So what that means, you could you would go in and instantly everything coming in from each school is already color-coded. And when they accept it, you, can, you send you an invite and you'll go, well, actually, I can't because I'm at that school. So you can then go decline, but suggest a time you are free. And that, to me, is a slightly easier way of doing it. And the other bit, this is anti-Excel, this bit, is if you use Microsoft Planner, and this is one thing I loved about Microsoft Planner, which is part of Teams and the Microsoft world, is you can assign tasks, you can have different boards for different schools, but it can add it to your calendar. So if you say it's due at a certain point, it adds it onto your calendar that's due. So then you can really allocate, actually, these are my tasks. You can line up your free time and put the tasks in from Planner at that point. But that's a whole other world of being organized on dates. But I think what Ginny has done is she has moved from the paper calendar, which I hate with a passion, to a digital one, which, as you said, it's on your laptop, your phone, your iPad, and you can share it with other people, which immediately makes it much more usable by lots more people. It means you could be more organized. And also, Ginny says, other people can see exactly how busy she is. So it's a very good starting point moving away from the paper calendar and it is a great use of Excel because, as Jenny says, it is all organized. So you've got all the cells down the side for the time, days. It is a good start. But Excel, I think when you get, you'll get to a certain point with each of the things you do with Excel where there's often a better way of doing it. So I think with that, Jenny's got lots of managing each week 
moving it all around. Calendar does that bit for you. But I think Excel, even for me, I use it as a starting point for lots of things. I use it as for planning. I use it for lots of things. It's always a great place to get my thoughts down into and organize it. And I might stay in Excel for the rest of that, what I'm doing, especially with all those filters. That makes life so much fun. Or I might be doing other stuff. But it is a very good tool. And if, if you're spending lots of time on it, and especially what I mean by the managing part or the building part, if you're spending lots of time managing and building, uh, you're not actually using, making use of it, there's probably going to be a better way of doing what you're doing. That's what I would say to anyone. For me, create a spreadsheet. So like the one you're doing where you're storing people information, it's set up, you're going in there, you're adding information and you're done. That is great. And I think that's where people you know, see these horrible big spreadsheets and your data person spends a week building it. And I think hearing those things is what scares people. And I don't blame them. No one should be creating a spreadsheet for a week. And, and I, think, I think you're absolutely right, because I'm going to call it my technology journey. It is that, isn't it? You know, as it I is. become more confident, I change things. As people show me things that will work even better than what I'm using, then I, then I do change what I'm doing. And I think it's about being that adaptable and not going down the rabbit hole of, right, okay, now I'm using Excel. That is the only thing I will use. I think it's about being open to when someone says, actually, have you considered using this instead or alongside, that, that we do that. And I think we just need to be open to how technology is changing and how it can enhance what we're doing. And when we are open to that, then then we find out so many, so many different things. Yes. And I think you can do a thing. And, I, and again, I've done it the same where there's this new thing come out or I want to do this or someone's recommended. I've gone to try it and I've just gone, that's not me. And I've come back to what I've known. And that's why Excel is still so popular because you might do something, but actually the specific need I have, which suits me, Excel is the best tool for that job. And it is such a versatile tool. When people say, I hate Excel, I literally sort of going, you're kind of missing out because um, there's just so many reasons you might, and again, it just goes back to using a database of sorting information. So when you're putting a load of stuff and you might want to sort it by what is the biggest cost. You might have someone want to put in alphabetical order so you can find things easier. You might want to put in what's the most soonest thing that's got to happen. How long was... It's just that ability just to really sort that data that to me just means I can get the information I want quicker. I've got a couple of extra things, little bits which make Excel more useful and more fun. And one of them is copyright and copy down. Yeah, so it's a nice, simple thing. You Let's say you type something in in the first cell and you want that value to go everywhere in the row, yeah, or something. You can highlight the first cell, highlight the rest, and you can right-click and copy right or push Control and R, and it'll copy all that information right. Or you can do copy down and do it down. And what, what they introduced a couple of years ago is, is the ability for Excel to predict what you're doing. So if you do, if you put in one in the first row, two in the second row, three in the third row, and then highlight those and copy down, it will continue the counting. If you do days of the week, it will go, oh, I get this. I, I know days of the week. I'm clever. I'm Excel. And it will do that down for you. 
So it can be really clever with that copy down and copy right. And there's, lot, there's lots of it. Remove duplicates is a nice one, which you often bring in a list of something and there might be duplicates in there. So it might be you've merged two groups of students together into one list. So some of the pupils could be in twice. So you could just highlight the whole group and go remove duplicates. And if it finds anything the same, it will just remove it and go, I found three. And it just, it's managing your data rather than you having to manually scan up and down, show which one's here twice. We can sort and you can remove duplicates is nice. You can get into various formulas. But again, that's not the way you're using it, Ginny. You're not doing really maths. You're using it as a database. But you can, Ginny probably could do some really clever maths on her Excel thing to literally highlight at the bottom or top of each day how much free time she has each day by how many blank cells they are. She could do some maths on that. I can tell you that without us having an Excel spreadsheet. That'll be very little. But talking about using maths, something that I'm going to do soon, and I've started to look at, which I think Senkos would be interested in, is using Excel for special need funding matrices, because so much of what we have to prove is funding, um, how money is spent for special needs. And so I'm looking at using Excel, and I will look at using formulae for that, so that we can show in real terms, the cost that we have for special needs within our schools, because we often, it's often in our interest when we're working with our local education authorities to be able to prove how much spending we have got for our special needs. If we have got children with educational healthcare plans to say, actually, this is our notional budget, this is how much we are spending on special needs to be able to show them where additional funding is needed, and we can show them clearly. And I'm thinking that an Excel spreadsheet would be a good way to show that and be able to prove that. Without having specialist software, Excel is the best way of doing that. Plan it properly, and that's a bit you learn with experience. But if you have spreadsheet with a list of all the provisions and the cost, even if it is like TA cost per hour, and you put that in, and then you then have a page for each pupil. You can use some very clever stuff called VLOOKUPs, which is so cool. So if a child A, Ginny types in one-to-one TA and then puts number four in the next column, what it can do is it can then in the third column, it can go to the master spreadsheet, look up one-to-one TA, find the value from the next column, which is the hourly cost, then multiply it by how many hours Ginny has said, and puts it in that and displays it in that column, which you could work out manually with a calculator. But if you did it manually, if that cost ever changed, doing it with formulas, if I change it on that first master spreadsheet, we're going, actually, it's costing us this much. The moment I change that, every place I've referenced that is updated automatically. Whereas if that was in Word documents, that is a day of copying and pasting and finding all those values. Whereas in Excel, we have all these links. That Sony, or if I just increase the number of hours from four to five, it does. it's so cool for doing that. And the VLOOKUP is, what it is, a VLOOKUP, is, I think it's called a vertical lookup, is it will scan a list for a value. Okay? And then what you can do is you can include other columns. 
And this sounds really technical. But if Ginny has a little table in one of the worksheets with what the provision is, the cost, who's responsible, and all of this sort of things, and she has it all spread out, and she has one called one-to-one TA, and maybe the initials of the person, when she drops that into the other worksheet, it can bring in all the other cells. And then what you can do is have another spreadsheet, which gets really fun, where you actually go the requirements for this TA, and it can go through all the other spreadsheets looking for those values and go, actually, we're asking 20 hours of this TA from all of this stuff. And rather than referencing a specific cell, you can say, just look here for this value. And it's so clever in the way it does it. And the first place I needed it was when I was building a spreadsheet for attainment data over time. Because what happens is your number of pupils changes constantly on your SEM register. So you, you paste it in for year one, you have 15 children. You paste it in year two, it's now 18. Lang on. Where the three pupils come from? You find it's not three, two left, and it's five new pupils. And it gets very confusing. And what I learned and what I, is if I actually don't put it all in that master spreadsheet, I pull it on all of the spreadsheets and I just put the details in here with V lookups, it does it all for me. All I literally have to put in a UPN in one column and then the rest of the table populates automatically for me because it looks for that UPN and all the other spreadsheets to find that pupil's data which is complicated, but once I've set it up, it's so simple for me after that. And that's what's the thing I like about it is it can, and it also, yeah, VLOOKUP is a very, very cool. And if you are at that point in Excel, go, I can do all this stuff. What is a VLOOKUP? Go look what a VLOOKUP is. Go watch one of Ginny's videos she watches on YouTube and learn what a VLOOKUP is. Because it is a really great way of not referencing something specific, but just saying, go look in here for this value and bring the information in, please. It's really, really nice. And and the other thing is, sometimes we have to provide information. And actually, this is a way that we can do it without it costing us more money. You know, these are things that if we are being asked for information, if we can put it on an Excel spreadsheet in in a simple format, that that will serve the purpose that 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 it's needed for. Yes. That thing is is it allows you Excel with all the linking it can do between different worksheets is you can go right what is it, what is the our initial cost what is the cost per child what is the total cost for this provision we're providing what is the total and you can view it in five different ways once it's and, it, and as that changes all those five different views automatically update. And it's that linking of things between worksheets, that be, it's, it just, once it's set up, it's so easy to manage and update. And if one of those values changes, it's easy to update. Yeah, and it can give a transparency. If you're trying to explain something to colleagues, your head, governors, you have that in front of you and it is, it has a transparency and it has actually a simplicity to it that you can that you can show people and like you say once you do get the form formula in you can have a look at oh if we did this or we did that what what would the financial implications be so i just think it's very workable across your schools isn't it and across your trust to be able to look at different scenarios as well yes and i think it's quite easy to 
Anglia's notional funding that's up to £6,000 per child and so like that, is with a spreadsheet, Ginny could really easily, across all those children, work out how much she's spending in total. That can just come up on that master spreadsheet at the beginning. Our total provision is this. Then you literally put in how many pupils, and it's like, well, actually, we should be receiving this. We're only receiving this. That's not right. So you can just you can do all those sorts of things. And it just, without you doing the maths, it might take you some time doing them, having the headspace to set up the first time. But once it's set up, it's you use that year on year, year on year. From that moment on, it's simple and it's easy. And that's if it's, it should be simple and easy to use. It might take a while to set up, but the ongoing needs to be simple and easy. If it's not simple and easy ongoing, find a different way. It's not saving you time. So Jenny mentioned freeze panes, which is yeah, great feature. Another one I found, I think I've always seen it, but never twigged what it did, but I've used it so much in the last two weeks. It's untrue, which is in Excel, you can go to view and there's a new window. And I just went, I thought, I mean, I just opened up another Excel so I can open up another file. It opens up another view of the workbook you're looking at. So if you're using one worksheet in the document as a reference and filling in another one, you can have them on two different windows. I actually had three because I had like, my master. What did I fill in for that pupil? Okay, I need to fill it in for this pupil. And I can see what I filled in before, so I'm following the same process without having to constantly switch between windows. If you haven't got multiple monitors and you're doing lots of Excel work, please try and find a second monitor to plug in. It makes life so good. But yeah, having multiple windows so you can view things side by side makes life so much easier. So yeah, that new windows. Another one you mentioned, Ginny, which was you talked about Alt and Enter. Oh yeah, Alt and Enter. So it, I found it very frustrating when I was typing into a cell. I'm sure it is a cell. I was typing into a cell and then... I had too many words for the cell. And so I found out that if I press Alt and Enter, it makes the cell bigger. So what it does, if you do Alt and Enter, it's basically starting a new line. So if you're typing in a cell, especially when you've got lots of cells of information in, if you start typing, you just get the first part of the cell and the rest is disappears. So if you push Alt and Enter, it will, it will kind of expand that cell vertically. So you can go over four or five lines if you want, and it expands that entire row. And that's what I like about Excel is there are so many ways of dealing with that. So Alt and Enter is I can move over multiple lines. You can adjust the width of that column. If there's going to be lots of longer sets, you can make that column wider. But sometimes it might be just that cell, that row, so you extend the height of the row. And the other one is you can merge cells. So sometimes when you have a big table... And you, let's say it's a giant table with a load of columns and these, these columns link to this and these columns link to this. You can put a, an extra header at the top where you merge the first lot of cells together. Look, these are all pupil details. Then the next lot of people will be able to these are the attainment details. And that one attainment cell could spread 20, 30 columns. But just sort of say these are all linked to attainment. So that merging is another way. And I think that's what people see when they look at the cells in Excel. They're going, well, I can't put my stuff in here. So no, you can expand expand them. You can do what Ginny says. And I think you can also um, wrap text is another way. So rather than doing Alt-Enter, if you do wrap text, it will automatically expand and adjust the height of the row as well. So it's not on by default. 
normally it would try, if you put it, it would just try and go into the next one. And then, but if you put a cell, it just disappears. But you can either wrap text or do old enter or change the width of that column. There's lots of different ways, depending on, as always, what's right for you at the time. But Excel is, it's, it is so cool. It really is a very powerful, very flexible tool. But I think going back to what Ginny says is you need to have a need. You can't just look at an Excel and go, oh, I'm going to create something. <laughs> it's not like writing a book. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to start. It's you need a reason to use Excel. And generally, the first part is going to be organizing data, organizing that information, making it more accessible for others to access. That is going to be the main reason most of you will think about looking at Excel. What else have I mentioned? So I've got some other bits. And one other thing I'm going to come back to is how long Excel takes. So again, you might have an Excel person in your school who loves Excel and spend weeks in Excel. If they're spending weeks using the spreadsheet, great. They're getting lots of information out of it. If they're spending weeks building a spreadsheet, that's not right. Yeah, so I know lots of schools, especially if they use B-squared and other systems, they've got to merge data together into Excel. And they have huge spreadsheets with all their attainment and progress information for the entire school. And then you can do various things with it. But they've got to build that every term, every year, and it takes them a long time. In reality, there are systems out there which will do all of that for you. Yeah, if you're spending that long building it, there'll be a system out there which will do it for you and make your life easier. If you use things like VLOOKUP, if you use another one, so when you use that filter, so what you could do if you did have a big attainment spreadsheet and you had columns like pupil premium, free school meals, EAL, primary need, all of that lot, you can use the sort and filter function to just go, let me just show me the pupil premium. Now, one thing which isn't obvious until you do it is some of the functions like sum or add, even if those cells are filtered out, are still included. So if I worked out the average progress for this group, long list of 100 pupils, and then filtered down just where the primary need was autism, and there was just 10, if I just use average, the value wouldn't change. So although the cells are hidden, it's, it's still using them. But there is another function called subtotal, which if you do that, it will only do the maths on the visible information. So what's nice about that is I can look at the whole school average progress, and I literally change that and filter, and that show me the average progress of the pupil premium. Change the filter, autism, average progress for those. So you can use various things, but if you putting that data together is taking you a very long time, and that's costing you money because you're not being a Senko. You're not doing the bits you should. It's costing you money. Which if you're then not doing something, you've either got to do more time doing or something. It's, it costs money. It might not be coming right out of your budget in that moment. If you're not doing something, it's going to cost you. So do think, if I'm spending hours building spreadsheets, is there something like B squared, which can do all of those things for me? And the reason I love spreadsheets so much is I've just designed our brand new analytics system, which does all of that stuff for you, including judgments in about five clicks, rather than anyone having to go into Excel. Because the 
the way our system looks is it's a bit like having that filter on. So I can have my grid for the entire school and I can just filter to different groups and see how the data changes. And that's what you're using it for. If you're using it as a mathematical thing, you're looking for what's changing my data. If you're using it as a database thing, the way Ginny's using it for the pupil information, it's that popping in and keeping it up to date, but it should be quick to use or, it's, or you're doing it wrong, is what I would say. Anything else, Ginny? Anything else you want to add? I think listen to a podcast about by, by yourselves about the special needs register and about not duplicating information. And I think it is so important that when we are putting information together, that we try as much as we can to try not to duplicate, because once again, that is wasting everybody's time. So, you know, if we are making an Excel spreadsheet, it's just reiterating what you're saying. Who is going to use it? Who is going to see it? What use is it going to be? Because we need to factor that in. Because having listened to that podcast, it really has made me go, actually, do I need to make that particular list or can it be part of a different system that we've got? So I think Excel is something that I use for me, but I am looking at other ways to make things simpler. And I know you did mention about putting things on SIMs and things like that. It's once again about being open to how we store information to make it as simple as we can. I think another thing, if you are somebody who hasn't used Excel before, be in the right frame of mind to start playing about with Excel. Be in the right frame of mind. Don't go into Excel as I've got to do this because you won't see how good it can be. Start small and have a play about. That's what I did. I, I just opened a workbook yep. and was like, oh, actually, how do I do this? How do I put words in? I had a look at YouTube clips of, actually, I don't even know how to type in a cell, but I'll find out. And just start very, very small and use it where there is a need. Yeah, and I think, still go back to those different systems, but what Excel often gives me, if I start in Excel, it helps me work out what I need to put in there and it helps me going, so if I do all this, what am I going to get out? And what Ginny did by putting her calendar in there with all color coding, it's just given her a very visual way of looking at her week and really helped her. So if I'm putting all of this, what is it I want to get out? And, and you, you can get it out and you might have a whole thing of, oh, can I get this out? Can I get this out? Can I get this out? Oh, but it's working out that balance of, and you might stay in Excel. That's the thing. I do have lots of Excel spreadsheets I use ongoing. Yeah, there's lots of them. One of the spreadsheets I use at almost every week is the schedule for the sendcast. That is in a spreadsheet. And I have the date, the, the name of it, the guest. Have I recorded it? Have I done the intro? Has it been edited? Has it been uploaded? And it's all there. And I can now filter and I can color. It's great. It's a database and it's really useful. And there's no need for that to go anywhere else because it's quick and it's simple and it does everything perfectly. But something else, I might start in Excel and then I move off to somewhere else. Because, But what the Excel part gave me is it helped me understand what I needed. And that's a really valuable thing I often start in Excel is it helps me see what is it I need. 
And then once I know what I need, I can go off and get exactly what I want. And I love that about Excel. Who would have thought I'd be doing a podcast about Excel to Who teachers? would have thought I'd be doing a podcast about using Excel as a Senco? You know, you know, every day's a school day and, you know, we all keep on learning, don't we? We do. And it is. It is. Don't be scared of it and give it a go. I'm going to put, I'm going to see what I can do about those formulas I mentioned. I might put like a little dummy spreadsheet together with some bits in and some things you can do. See if I can create something so you can actually go look at it and go, what does this actually mean? When he said this, so I'm going to see after recording if I can put the things we've discussed into there so you can download it and have a play and see what things do. And it might be just different sections. It might be one big spreadsheet with just lots of different sections in so you can play with that. And so it gives you an idea of what is possible. But it also means you can actually have a look under things. Well, how does he do this? And it will all be there because it'll be saved in the file, which is really, really clever. So I will send that out. I'll try and get them with the show notes. I'll also be sharing Ginny's contact details. And it's also worth checking out a few of Ginny's podcasts being about tech. So we did the paperless Senko, didn't we? Which is about kind of getting rid of paper and moving on to online systems and the benefits of them. And they really are very beneficial. And having an iPad, as I said, is so much quicker to get that iPad on and start using it. Now, now Ginny has gone a full hog with her iPad. She showed me before we were recording that she has a fold-away Bluetooth keyboard, which cost a whole £15, which means she can sit there in a meeting and actually just sit there and type notes up with her screen rather than writing paper notes. I tried doing it on a phone. It looks very rude if you get your phone out and typing. People think you're just playing games. But actually having an iPad out and a little keyboard and you're making notes, people understand what you're doing. And as it's a digital note, it's really easy to share with someone else. It's also really easy to find and search through your notes. So please go and listen to that podcast and many of other Ginny's, many of Ginny's other podcasts even. Um, and you'll also find say, Ginny's contact details and you'll find all of that in our show notes or wherever you listen to the podcast or on our website. So thank you for listening to a podcast on Excel. If you've made it this far, you're already not that scared of Excel, which is really good. If you haven't subscribed already, please do subscribe. You can find links to subscribe across all the different podcast platforms on our website. And if you listen to us through iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review and let others know what you think. And before we go, I would just like to remind you to check out the Training for Education website. You'll find a number of the guests on the Sendcast are speakers at our conferences or they've done training courses. And Training for Education is a great way to get CPD for all staff around SEND that is effective and affordable visit www.trainingforeducation.com for more information. And that's it. So thank you for listening. Please go and try Excel. Please don't be scared of it. Please just try a few things and hopefully you'll sit there and go, oh, this could save me some time. And that's all we want, isn't it? All we are saying is give Excel a chance. Yes, definitely. So goodbye from me and we'll be back soon with another episode of The Sendcast. Bye. Bye-bye.